0: Hey, everyone. This is the Still in Motion podcast where we talk about dance and dance photography from both sides of the camera. I'm Jonathan.
1: And I'm Catherine. And this is episode eight, maybe? Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> we have so many. <laughs> um, well, okay. let's wait until
0: we get to 10 and then then we can celebrate. Then we'll maybe.
1: celebrate. I don't know. We're over five. It seems like a big, exciting thing. That's true. Um, I have the craziest story for you. Okay, what happened? You ready for this? Yeah. Okay. So well, maybe this is like it's like sort of related to dance and sort of related to photography, but not really. It's mostly just related to like when people ask me or they they don't ask me. They just say, oh, you live in New York. You must absolutely love it. And I'm like, uh, this is one of those stories. Like why New York is a complete mess. So <laughs> what <laughs> on Friday night, I get home from my teaching job. It's like six o'clock at night, 630 or something. I see that the USPS guy is like in our doorway trying to get in. So I walk over. Like, I guess he can just unlock it with the little buzzer. But either way, I see him there. So I'm like, hey, um, I live here. Do you need to get in? And he's like, yeah. So I look at the deadbolt and the lock is like upside down. So I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. So I take out my keys and I figure if I just put my key in upside down, it should unlock the door, right? No doesn't unlock the door. So I'm like locked out, but with my keys. And so then the the USPS guy is like looking at me and I'm like, I do really live here. Like, I this is my apartment. I'm as confused as you are. Like, I don't know why I can't get in. So oh no. <laughs> he, he uses the his key in the buzzer box thing to like get in as he normally would and lets me in too, thank goodness. Um, and so then I go through the second, my apartment has like two doors to To the stairwell, so I go to the second stairwell, and the lock is fine. And so I go upstairs. I'm like, that's really odd. And so I call like our building manager, and I'm like, by the way, the lock downstairs is broken, and I would have been locked out if it wasn't for the fact that the mailman was there and let me in. And he's like, okay, I'll call the locksmith. So I assume the problem is taken care of. The next morning, I get up. I have to leave the house at like 7 a.m. to go to Connecticut for my photography job. It's now Saturday morning. I get downstairs. I can't open the door from the inside the door oh, almost is, worse. <laughs> the door is like the door lock is broken. so I'm like pushing on the door handle trying to get out and I'm between the the one door to the stairwell and the other door to the street and I'm like, thank goodness I could just go back upstairs if I wanted to. like what if this had been the UPS man stuck in between the two doors like, That would have been terrifying. I'm already like a claustrophobic person as is and I can't imagine. But I'm like trapped inside my building and my Metro North train is in like 20 minutes. And I'm like, wait, how am I going to get out? So I start thinking about like, are there other exits? Is there like a basement? Like what? Like I sent a video of me like shaking the door to my boss because it felt a little bit like my dog ate my homework or something. (laughs) I'm locked in my building and so I'm going to be late to work. And she was like omg just uh come when you can like what do you say to someone in that situation when they like can't get out of their apartment right um so i call the manager and his phone is off and so then i call the other super person and he's like oh i knew the lock was broken but the super doesn't live in the building he lives in jersey so he's like i'm on my way but probably won't be there until 10 And I was like, can you call an emergency locksmith or something? Like, I have to get out of this building. All (laughs) of us in the building are trapped. This is 7 a.m. Oh, wow. (laughs) Like, (laughs) we're all trapped in the building. We have to get out. I have to be at work. So, He says he will call someone, so I'm just, like, patiently waiting to exit. And then another neighbor comes down, and he is, like, mad. He is, like, more mad than I am. And he just has a dog, and he's trying to just, like, go for a walk. He starts kicking the door. He's trying to, like, take the window out of the frame, like, do whatever he can to get out. And I'm kind of just watching it. And so then the guy who was called to fix the door comes. And he's not a locksmith. He's just this, like, random dude who hangs out in, like, the garden next door. He comes with a knife. And he takes the knife and he just slips it down the crack on the outside and the door just pops right open. And so now it's like all three of us are standing out there and this random man with a knife is like, I opened the door for you. And I was like simultaneously relieved to leave the building, but also like super disturbed about the security of the building if all it takes is like a small knife to break in. Like how is that? That door cannot possibly be built right if that's all it takes to get in. And so then I was two hours late to work, but I mean, like, obviously it was fine because I couldn't control the situation. But like everything in New York is just so out of your control. Like you can be on a subway train that's just like parked underground with no cell service or like literally stuck inside of your apartment. It was insane. But this morning I went to Target and I came back and I was successfully able to get in and out. So the door is fixed.
0: That's good. And hopefully the whole knife thing was only because... The lock was already kind of broken. I hope. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I should test it. I think today I'm going to like bring a knife downstairs and That's <laughs> see if I can get in with it. <laughs> Luckily, there's the second door, which hopefully would be a little harder to get through. But
0: you should try the knife on both doors and see. I should. How I should see how
1: easy it is to break in. I mean, I have renter's insurance for this reason, but like I have a lot of camera gear up here. It makes me nervous.
0: But you're also on like the fifth floor. Yeah, someone would have to be really dedicated to robbing you specifically to get in all your camera stuff. Yeah, because when I went to visit you, I was walking and I was like, "Am I there yet?" Nope.
1: Another floor. Oh my gosh. Okay. Heavy breathing. Another floor. Am I there yet? Yeah.
0: (laughs) You're kind of up there, so I think you're fine. Mm
1: -hmm. So yeah, that's been my week. Uh, My past two days stressful.
0: (laughs) That really is because those things you don't expect them; they're out of the blue and they totally disrupt your workflow. And so having to adapt to that, and you don't even, you have no control over when it's going to get fixed. That's terrible.
1: Yeah. Because if it had been like my own house or my own building, then I would have just called the locksmith. But when you're in an apartment, it's like, you can't just call somebody. It has to go through the manager or the super so that they call the person that like the building wants them to call. Right. Are you in an apartment?
0: Um... It's a condo, so there's like a manager. Yeah. But luckily, um, they do a pretty good job of taking care of everything.
1: How's your week been?
0: <laughs> Last night was really fun. I went to Enchant Christmas DC, this giant Christmas light maze with a friend of mine or two friends. Have you heard of them before? I do not I don't think they've been to New York. It's this organization that takes over like these giant parks or... um. Like baseball fields and they'll set up this giant christmas light maze and then there's a marketplace and they put like an ice skating rink in there and it's just a giant winter experience if you've ever been to like a zoo lights or anything similar to that it's kind of like that but on steroids
1: i went to the dc zoo lights last year and had so much fun i like love christmas lights so
0: yeah so it's basically like that but really condensed and like on a much crazier scale and one of my friends had applied to be a social media ambassador for them and she needed or not needed but she asked me to help her with taking pictures so she could post stuff so i got a free ticket which was great and we walked around and just had fun and i also vlogged a little bit for the first time in forever um and it was really interesting because it was at nat's park so they had their own rules about cameras and equipment Hmm. and then enchant Hmm had their own set of rules. So things like um no professional gear, which includes tripods, monopods, uh lenses that were longer than three inches. But they didn't mention anything about flashes, which was weird.
1: But you could use your camera body?
0: Yeah. So like a DSLR Which is was a professional fine. body.
1: Right. But Why like they... I think
0: they were trying to say no like seventy to two hundred, like those super long lenses. Oh I see. You know. But then I was measuring I was trying I wanted to bring my um Wide angle sixteen to thirty five, and that was too long. That was six yeah. inches. Versus, what did you shoot on? Well, I brought that one anyways was, because in my head I was thinking. I mean, they're really looking for those super long lenses. Like my sixteen to thirty five looks like a normal lens, so I think it should be fine. And then I also brought an eighty five millimeter,
1: the prime one. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and then I brought a flash, and they let me in with all the gear. So, mm. yeah it was really fun though because there were so many lights everywhere that i was shooting a lot with the 85 millimeter at a really really shallow depth of field but then getting a lot of um christmas lights in the foreground to get this like really cool bokeh in the front yeah and then all the lights behind the my friend were always you know like these perfect little circles they were so blown out it was it was beautiful
1: yeah shooting christmas lights is actually really tricky um Because I find that when you look at them with like your regular eyes, you know, they have that like glowy, colorful, sort of blurry look. Or maybe it's my glasses that are dirty always. I don't know. But then when you, (laughs) then when you like take a photo with them, you see like the actual plastic or glass like shell that the light is in and you see like the filament and it doesn't look at all like it actually looks.
0: Yeah, it loses Um, the magic a little bit. You kind of have to like boost the highlights. Yeah, it also like kind of has to
1: be out of focus. Like, Mm -hmm. I found, like, they look the most realistic when you are shooting a shallow depth of field. Like, I was playing over Thanksgiving break because we set up our Christmas tree. I was, like, putting my dog in front of it and stuff. And, like, I was shooting with the 50 millimeter, my 50 millimeter at 1.4. So, the lights in the background, they don't even look like lights. They're just, like, giant colored orbs, you know? Like, that's probably too extreme. But just, like, slightly out of focus. They have that, like, glowy, puffy look.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And have you ever tried the I haven't done this personally, but I've uh, read about it, where if you take a um like piece of cardboard or construction paper and you cut out a shape in the middle of it and put it over your lens, if when you take a picture, all of the bokeh will become that shape.
1: Whoa, no, I haven't tried that.
0: Yeah. So like a really, I think, simple example is people will do um like a heart shape. What what throws me off is it's a really sm- it's a single heart and it's really small covering your lens. So you would think that you can't really see out of it. I think if it's I'm like a
1: pinhole camera,
0: yeah, or yeah. But then you still see the entire image. But then just everything that is blurred out is in the and sh- is in the shape of a heart.
1: Okay, I have no idea how that works.
0: Yeah, I I, need to I thought Google about <laughs> it too late. If I, if I had thought about it beforehand, I would have tried to do that when we were at the event. Because I've thought about before for things like at Dance Place, if I could make one that has our logo, how cool would it be to take pictures of people, but then have the logo behind everyone. But, but as a cool like in-camera.
1: I just found a lot of DIY things. <laughs> Custom bokeh effects. Try it yourself. Ooh. okay i have a headshot thing today so should i try this <laughs> with a random stranger well Probably i don't know if you right have the right time. setup
0: though because you would need no. to have a lot of small lights in the background to get that bokeh
1: yeah no it wouldn't work today but what happens to the like object in the front like if I- you have a dog in front of a christmas tree it's all it only affects the bokeh yeah but i you think you can so. still okay um I'm going to do some research on this. We should both try this over the week, and then we should post our results on our Still in Motion Instagram.
0: I totally would, but I just don't know if, where I would take the picture. I like—I missed my perfect opportunity to test this out last Go night. Go to the
1: Zoo Lights in D.C. <laughs> oh,
0: actually, that's a good... I should do that, actually, anyways.
1: Um, yeah, it, I, it
0: just might not be this week.
1: <laughs> okay, we'll find a time. I was um, traveling home Friday, before I got locked out of my apartment and noticed that there's an island next to Manhattan, like right across the river from where I live called Ward's Island, just like fully packed, dense Christmas lights everywhere. Like there's some sort of thing happening over there. So my schedule every day until I go home for Christmas is like packed from 830 till 10 p.m. But I will find a time (laughs) to go over there. (laughs) I will add it to my schedule. (laughs) Do you want to come?
0: Uh, take well, a bus <laughs> uh, I, oh, ooh, actually don't tempt me okay. I might <laughs> we'll we'll talk we'll figure it out we'll
1: talk about this later
0: in other news well there are two articles I wanted to talk about is there anything yes. else that you wanted to mention
1: um, before that not that I can think of right now
0: okay so the first one we were texting about it earlier in the week because I saw it and I sent it to you but we will try to not get too nerdy and techie or i think if we do we should make sure we take time to explain what we're talking about maybe a little bit more i agree uh but canon is supposedly coming out with a 75 megapixel canon it's like an upgraded eos r which is their um full frame mirrorless body with dual card slots and it's supposed to be announced in february of 2020 which i don't know when that would I don't know when it would actually be out f- for purchase, but the fact that they would be announcing it is like, yes, finally, like yeah. at least then you, ha- it's a you step have in a the right direction. You know? Yeah. Um. But what are your thoughts?
1: Okay. I have like a lot of mixed thoughts. Cause I feel like for a while, actually since Bates, we've been talking about like, we would consider getting mirrorless cameras once they made this step. And we're like the equivalent of the camera we've been shooting, the 5D Mark IV. And now it's like happened. And Assuming that I, this
0: rumor is true, yeah.
1: Okay, it's if the rumor is true, it'll probably happen, which is, like, super exciting. But if the camera is not actually, like, better... Okay, so there are some features that make it better than the 5D Mark IV, maybe, um, which we can probably go into. But I don't know. I, I don't know yet if I would change my camera or get an additional camera. Because it's not like it's going to clearly be that much better than the camera we're already shooting right it has like some different features
0: well and again this is a rumor so they don't have a whole lot of specs and these are all just gossip really but mm-hmm. i think the there are two big things one the fact that it's a 75 megapixel sensor that's mm-hmm. way bigger than the 5D Mark IV currently. So Definitely. It's uh the 5D Mark IV is a 30 I think megapixel camera. So you're more than doubling the megapixels, which means the file size will be huge. Yeah. So I can maybe shoot a dance show on 164 Gig card, and that means if I shot around the same number of images, I would need at least two cards, if not more, yeah, to do the same show.
1: And then think about just the workflow with hard drives and storage, and
0: yeah, that means Lightroom might also run slower when you're yeah, processing it.
1: My laptop might freak out,
0: yeah, but the upside is you get a lot more detail. So if you're shooting with your wide angle lens at the front of the stage. And you need to cover some, and someone's all the way upstage. You could crop in a lot more, and it would feel like you're still zoomed in with a seventy to two hundred lens.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and you'd have yeah. you'd ha- you'd still have all that detail. You wouldn't it wouldn't get um, pixelated or super noisy. You know, like you have a lot more ability when it comes to that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. which is I think the biggest upside to a higher megapixel camera. You just you can crop yeah. more. So I don't know. Everything else I love. It's a dual card slot. It, there's no touch bar, but it's still super high res and, you know, all those different things. But actually, when I thought about it, I didn't know if I would want a 75 megapixel sensor
1: because mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. I'm already struggling with storage space. We were talking about it very briefly last week. So this would then have I'd have to revamp my plan on storage
1: yeah I mean better quality is amazing but then also I think about like how much work I actually have photo wise like how many gigs how much money am I making in photography in the year and like are my like I don't want to be like are my photos good enough quality wise but like do I need that jump right now like are are my clients actually dissatisfied maybe with the quality because i would love for the quality of my photos to be even better to have an even better sensor and all of that but like is it can i justify the purchase of a pretty expensive camera body right at this point in time or like do i need to wait a couple years and then consider it and then at that point the camera will be like even better i mean i doubt that like i mean it's not like it's going to be released in february I highly doubt that I would oh,
0: yeah. buy no it way. right away.
1: Anyway, I like to wait for like people to test it and like do reviews and stuff. And for me, like as someone who mostly shoots shows during the actual show, the m- like most exciting thing about a mirrorless camera is the silent shooting mode. Mm-hmm. Um, which feels kind of silly to like upgrade a camera just so it's like <laughs> silent when I've like gotten pretty good at taking photos at times when it's not disruptive. I mean, we've talked all about that in previous episodes. <laughs> um but yeah i played with a mirrorless camera once twice actually in like best buy (laughs) um what do you think of the uh digital viewfinder
0: i've only played with a mirrorless camera in um like a room before not it wasn't in a show setting like a i was Mm -hmm. Um, sharing a hotel room with another photographer who had the EOS R and he let me you know just mess around with it a little bit in the room besides the silent shooting that's the other big reason why I would want to go to a mirrorless camera because without your eye leaving the viewfinder as you change your settings you can already see what the picture will actually look like because it's it's what the sensor is seeing not just a reflection through a mirror so I don't have to ever worry about, then as the lighting changes, I don't have to take a shot and look, like take my eye away from the viewfinder to yeah. double check the exposure.
1: Yeah, I wonder if we should like explain <laughs> this a little bit better. Uh,
0: Yeah, do you wanna go okay. for it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. I want people who like don't know a lot about cameras to be able to listen and like follow what we're saying. So uh-huh. the cameras that we have, um because they are not mirrorless, meaning that they have a mirror, the way that it works is the light comes through the lens, which is on the end, hits the mirror, and then goes up to your eye. So you are seeing exactly what is in the real space in the real time. It's the light. Yeah, it's the picture is bouncing off the mirror and up into your eye. Um, And then when you press the button to take the picture, the mirror lifts up. So for that second, you don't see anything because the light is going under the mirror to the sensor and then the mirror flaps back down and that's what's making the click sound. Um, so you're actually, if as you change the settings, you're not seeing any change through the viewfinder because nothing's changing in terms of like the way that things actually look. Does that make sense? <laughs> you're mm-hmm. just changing the settings that will affect the image on the sensor in the camera. But for the new mirrorless cameras, you're not looking... Like, when you peek into the viewfinder, you're looking at, like, a very, very small screen. It's like looking at the back screen of a camera. Um, And on that screen, you're seeing, like, the JPEG version, I guess, of the photo. It's, It's like as if you had the live view on the back of your camera turned on, but you're, like, looking at it on the screen. And I guess one of the questions that I have with that is how much can you really trust it because you know sometimes you'll look at the um back of your camera and it like it's not quite how it looks when you put it in lightroom i don't know i like don't really want to trust it well i like, think do you know that it's not overexposed or underexposed from not seeing a histogram but just looking at the picture in the electronic viewfinder well
0: i think uh, that's actually a whole another topic because i've learned you can't always trust the histogram especially in a dance show, because there's so much black around you. Mm, Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think in the same way where if I take a picture and I look at the back of my camera, I can see if things are super, super bright or super, super dark, right? So in the electronic viewfinder, you can at least see that. And it's a good reminder then to change settings as the lighting changes because sometimes I get so wrapped up in catching the movement that Mm -hmm. I forget that, it got a little bit darker, so I should have lowered my shutter speed or I should have raised my ISO a little bit to compensate, Um, you know? So I think for that, then it's a good reminder. And you get it close enough where if you are shooting in raw, you can still recover whatever you need in post-production.
1: So I think the reason why I don't really have that problem when I'm shooting dance shows is because I shoot in auto ISO manual, which you don't do, you know? So if I put it like on I don't know put my shutter speed at like 1/320th or something and f2.8 and then auto ISO the ISO is changing to keep the exposure correct so I never really have the problem with the photos being over or underexposed hmm which is like just a workflow that's been working for me recently um, but then I have like a cap on the ISO so it doesn't go too high. But I mean, I'm still changing the settings. Like if, I, if it gets brighter and I realize that I can up the shutter speed a little bit, I will do that for less motion blur. Or if there's like a bunch of dancers, it gets a little brighter and I realize that I can like maybe afford to uh, go up to like F4 or F5.6. I'll do that. But I don't really mess with the ISO during a show.
0: That's interesting. I'm tempted to try that. I guess the one reason I would... The biggest reason I've avoided auto ISO is if I can ever push the ISO down a little bit, I will always do that. And if it's on auto ISO, I have no idea what it's doing. So, for example, if I'm starting a show at 1 over 200th of a second, f2.8, ISO 3200, that's kind of usually my go-to starting point. If it gets brighter... I would rather lower the ISO a little bit instead of cranking up the shutter speed. But then mm-hmm. if it gets super dark, I would actually almost rather keeping my ISO the same and just lowering my shutter speed, which the camera might be doing already when it's an auto ISO. But the me knowing the actual number value, for some reason, just makes me feel more comfortable.
1: Yeah. Well, you can see the number that it's picking, right? Um, oh, you can. And... Yeah, I, I, I guess
0: that's I've never shot auto ISO, so I yeah. don't know.
1: So basically, when you when you do that, you're taking the manual mode and sort of turning it into like how AV or TV like isolate the shutter speed or the aperture variable. You're basically turning the manual mode into setting shutter speed, shut setting aperture, and then letting the camera pick the ISO. So it's like you're not doing all three; you're just doing two of the three, but if you keep your shutter speed setting the same and you keep your aperture setting the same, and then you adjust if the photo is exposed, o- overexposed, or underexposed, what you are doing is changing the ISO, if that makes sense. Because if you don't change aperture or shutter speed and you want the photo to be darker, it is lowering the ISO.
0: Gotcha. Okay. We're we're starting to circle a little bit because we also had this discussion before, but I think I understand what you're saying.
1: Um, I'd recommend it. Okay, let's move on. (laughs) Okay,
0: I'll try it. Let's move on. Uh, The other article I wanted to talk about was from Dance Magazine. Yes. Uh, It was, you can now view more than 10,000 photos from Jack Mitchell's Alvin Ailey collection online, which is super cool because this is one of the few pieces of news that crosses both our dance world and our photography world. Um. And I will admit, I don't know Jack Mitchell until this morning when I was Googling him, but he's a rock star.
1: Yeah, I before? hadn't heard of, no, I hadn't heard of Jack Mitchell. Um, But when you sent me this article, I looked through the photos and they are awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just really cool to see he was documenting them from 1916. 1960- 1961 to 1994. So there's so much history in that. And there's black and white and there's color, but some of them look like they're maybe performances, but a lot of them are from photo shoots or portrait sessions with the company members. Mm -hmm. You know, and just thinking like he was doing all this with film, and I cannot imagine having to figure out what shutter speed and ISO film to use when you can't see the image. And you have to wait for it to come back from a lab. You know, like, that's crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, some of these are and they're gorgeous. They look
0: really nice.
1: It makes me think about, like, he started shooting Alvin Ailey before it was probably recognized as, like, such a big, important historical company, like, the way it's recognized now, right? Like, in 1961. I'm not was... familiar
0: with Alvin Ailey's I... history, so I can't comment on that. Yeah,
1: I do not know enough about dance history but i think it's cool that he committed to taking photos of this company back before it was probably recognized in the way it's recognized today like i think retro retrospectively you can think like oh now that this thing is like really big it would be cool to have photos of it but at this time it was probably like it was probably a big deal but i don't know i just think that's really cool
0: yeah i'm not sure i was looking on his website he's passed away he passed away in 2013 but he worked with a lot of more famous or well more well words more well-known dance companies and actors and theaters so he um if you go to his website he has pictures of uh, Martha Graham's company Merce Cunningham but then he has a portrait session with Arnold Schwarzenegger and John Travolta so he worked with a lot of big names Oh, okay. It was just really cool to see the breadth of his work. Yeah. And the, the hairstyles back then. It was kind of crazy.
1: Yep. Dance clothes <laughs> have changed.
0: Uh, <laughs> I think what the kind of work that he was doing is kind of what I would love to be doing now. Like You know, like just getting called up to go take pictures of these amazing companies, but then also get to work with actors. And I don't do as much portrait work, but it's just really cool.
1: Yeah, seeing all of these, like, photo shoot uh, photos, it makes me want to do more of that. Like, especially, like, you know, there are some of these ones with, like, the dancers in the back and, like, the choreographers or directors in the front. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. It's cool, like, to document that and not only have pictures of the actual performances. Some of these photos are really cool because you can see, like, the white seamless is showing on the edge and you can, like, see the lights in it, you know, (laughs)
0: yeah well and it makes me and it makes me wonder what who was hiring him to do these if he was working for Ailey, or if this was part of a if he was part of some other agency you know i I don't know the history behind it but the fact that he was covering the company for such a long time you know i'm just curious okay sorry that was an awkward break because we ran into some technical difficulties wow and i'm running into issues with my mouth sorry about that we uh we ran into some technical t- issues but i think we figured it out but we're gonna wrap it up now with discovery of the week which i realized i did not think about yet so you should go first while i okay think of something i think i had Wait, yeah go
1: okay i have one um which i already told you but our listeners don't know um so I'm on the quest of finding good spots in New York for, like, headshots and photo shoots, especially indoor spots, because today I have a headshot session for an actor, and it's, like, cold out, but we're doing it outside, which is not a good idea, but I don't, like, know of that many indoor spots. But anyway, I was walking around Tribeca a few days ago and found um, a, like, glass sky bridge thing over like a highway which is very similar to the place where i did the dance photo shoot over thanksgiving in roanoke virginia so i was like very excited to see this in new york and i need to go check it out and see what it actually looks like on the inside and if it's really busy but i would really love to do a photo shoot there so if you're a dancer <laughs> and you want to test out this sky bridge with me let me know and we can do a free photo shoot in it
0: oh that'd be fun
1: Yeah, Um, so message me on Instagram or email us. (laughs) At Podcast
0: at com. Yes, and
1: let's do um, a free photo shoot in this sky tunnel. Cool.
0: Okay, I have my discovery. Uh, On Netflix, I just found this documentary. It's called Iron Fists and Kung Fu Kicks. And it talks about the history of martial arts in cinema and how it started – in hong kong and how it was um reflecting what was going on in the culture at the time and how it's developed it's fascinating and as someone that grew up on like old kung fu movies i loved it and it even ties into how it influenced hip-hop dance and b-boying and b-girling so it was totally my cup of tea so i highly recommend this documentary iron fists and kung fu kicks and Again, I mean any Netflix thing you see, the cinematography is beautiful. So I'm also I was also watching it for their framing and how they transition and how they tell a story in it and it's always beautiful. But yeah, I highly recommend it.
1: Yay. Um I remembered I forgot to ask you, how is your purple mattress?
0: it's so good <laughs> it, it, it arrived a day late i think just because of the holidays things are always a little backed up so i've only slept on it for two nights but i whenever i wake up now i just don't want to get up i just want to stay in bed it's so soft but firm and supportive i don't understand how it works
1: well you should email us at still podcast at and you can also follow us on instagram please follow us on instagram uh at still in motion podcast and check out our personal pages as well mine is at katherine.butler k a t h r y n .butler and jonathan's is jsu media j h s u media
0: before i forget we have really big news that we should have led with and opened the podcast with but we're finally on all the major podcast apps and websites so you can also find us now on iTunes Google Podcasts Stitcher spotify some other ones that i don't really know about but like uh overcast and uh some other ones but so go subscribe and you can listen to us on all those platforms so thank you to shannon McConnell for uh the music that we listen to every week and thank you amanda for designing our logo and that's it we'll see you all next time bye bye